Hey guys, you are now listening to the Maranatha House podcast. Settle down because it's going to be long. <laughs> and I've actually, yes, yeah, and it's actually going to be about salvation. I changed it up last night <laughs> without telling <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, well, just to kind of preface it, it's, it's a fairly simple passage. I don't know that I try to catch myself the first couple of days because I was looking for stuff that might not be there. I was looking for something very deep and it's not a very deep, deep, deep message, but it's... Um, the perspective for me has shifted quite a bit. Um, and it really starts with Hebrews 4.14 4, through 16. Can someone read that for me? Or I can read it also, actually. Hebrews, sorry. I can do it. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. 14 through 16. Mm-hmm. Because the Bible writers didn't know how to separate into chapters. Yeah. Because the Bible writers didn't include those. That's all, that's all after the fact. Isn't that a weird thing? It just makes no sense. Even yeah. people who did it afterwards, it's like, why? There weren't even verses. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, chapter 4, verse 14 through 16 says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who was in every sense tempted like we are, yet without sin. Let us then come with confidence to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Cool. It is. And it kind of repeats again in the next chapter. And I, I, I went back, thanks to the podcast. If it wasn't for the podcast, I wouldn't have gone back. But I feel like this this verse specifically, or two verses, kind of sets the tone for everything to come. Um, and kind of the question that I asked myself is, what is the... What is what are these two verses kind of trying to tell us about Jesus? Um, so, I've got my answers. What do you guys think it's saying about Jesus in particular? He's our great high priest. Mm-hmm. He's the Son of God. Does somebody with the verse fourteen? Mine says passed into the heavens. Somebody else says. Pass like through the heavens? Ascended into the heavens. Mine says pass through. Yeah. In the Greek, and I looked that up too, it's, a, it's like the translation is gone through the heaven, right. heavens. Right. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. That's yeah, I wrote that down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which like uh, talks about his humanity. Yeah. A lot. yeah, one of the one of the things that really captivated me was um, it says, "Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence." So I I, I try to think of confidence with what we see confidence as, and it's kind of like puff chest, like uh, very cocky. Um, but the translation and the, the, the version of confidence 
used specifically in this verse is not that, but more of um, one of the translations actually said radical openness. So coming into the presence of God with nothing to hide, bring it all to his, all to his attention. Um, yeah. So it's not a confident because it didn't really make sense coming in a little cocky, but just giving, giving everything to God. Um, because, uh, that's how you're met with grace is when you present everything to him. Um, yeah. So, um, another, another thing, uh, another version that could be interpreted there is, uh, trust. Uh, a lot of, a lot of old, for, I wrote down an example in Proverbs thirty-one eleven. We don't have to go back, but it's when it's talking about, uh, the noble character of a wife, um, when it describes her personality, it's it, that that word trust is used that a husband can place all of his trust in his wife. Um, so going there, not only open, but also trusting in the Lord and that he's going to uh, present us or, or um, reciprocate with mercy and grace. Um, because when we sin or, and when we ask for repentance, God knows that we sinned already. But there's that extra step of actually telling him and confessing it. It's not just well, you know what I did, and it's coming openly, and that's what gives us confidence. That's so good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, that's it for there. So um, how can we, knowing the word, that that word confidence is used in that verse, uh, one question I also ask, and I want to ask you guys is, how does that affect our life, or how can we, uh, how would that influence us in how we act in our everyday life or even just in our relationship with the Lord? Well, I think I think, well, I think of the uh, command that Jesus gives to his disciples, like to love God with all your heart and then to love others, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about that the last like couple weeks. We just keep bringing it up. But like the flow of God's love is like, us loving God who loves us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God loves us first, so we return the love back to Him, and it allows us to like love people around us. Mm-hmm. And so, I think when we go to God openly, like you're talking about, and like approaching His throne of grace, if if we have nothing to hide in front of God, then we have nothing to hide in front of people. Mm-hmm. Which, those things can hinder our relationship with other people whether we know it or not. Mm-hmm. And so when there is no, nothing between us and God, then it's a lot easier to not have things between you and people. Mm-hmm. That's what I think of. Yeah. Well, I think about, like, uh, if I'm feeling, this might just be rephrasing the same, same heart, but, like, when I feel insecure in a relationship, like, with one of my friends it can impact my confidence in everything that I do. Mm-hmm. And so I can, like, think all these different things about myself, like I'm not fun or I'm, you know, blah, 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 fill in the blank. But when I have confidence in that relationship, I remember who I am. Mm-hmm. And so I'm way happier. <laughs> I feel way more strong and bold and powerful, and it's way easier for me to obey because I know that, like, I know my worth. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm confident going before the throne and I'm, like met with an outpouring of mercy and grace every time, wouldn't that impact, like, even really small things that we do? Mm-hmm. And make me, like, want to pursue him more 
and keep coming back because you're not met with like an iron fist you're met with like open arms and compassion Mm -hmm. especially when he understands everything that i've gone through Mm -hmm. the sympathy can like make it so much more easy to share Mm -hmm. yeah i feel like it affects everything yeah 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 and it just made me think of uh adam in the garden and like when he experienced shame mm-hmm. after both he and eve disobeyed and god came into the garden walked through and said adam where are you mm-hmm. and they said that we hid because we were ashamed of our nakedness mm-hmm. and this feels like the new covenant like mm-hmm. shift of like don't run away and hide in your shame mm-hmm. the shame doesn't even it's a a lie that you can cover yourself with shame it just is too much a burden come with confidence mm-hmm. come with boldness mm-hmm. that you were supposed to have in the garden mm-hmm. that's like really that's cool mm-hmm. I think about like when like bad things are going on in the world and when I get afraid or I feel like I don't know I am like this is not my burden yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. but when fear just like runs amok um giving him our confidence and our trust and knowing that he's above all mm-hmm. yeah. um, is very comforting. Yeah. 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 Fear do be running them up. Mm-hmm. Do be monkey. <laughs> be sticky. <laughs> Take that out. You know how sticky Yeah. You know how monkey get. <laughs> um... Also, something that uh, I've had to put into perspective this week that's helped me is um, it's just the simple truth, but also knowing that everything that the Lord asks us to do or asks of us or the rules that he sets isn't to take away life or happiness. It's to abound in joy. Um, So when he says to be uh, open and and and, uh, what is it? Uh, Confess our sins. He's not saying it because he doesn't know and he needs us to tell him. It's because in one way or another that does build confidence and that does build trust in him. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially because part of that is confessing to your brothers, I think. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And there's a, there's a, you know, there's a history with, with the church and people in the church that hide sin. And when it comes out, it's so much worse than when I, we've seen great examples of, of, of people at our church that, when they commit a sin, they go in front of the church and they confess it and they step aside mm-hmm. from from serving for a little while. Yeah. And I think that's that's kind of like the embodiment of what, what it's asking us to do here. Um, because when you have nothing to hide, there's just a different kind of freedom, I think. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Uh, I just got like the, a picture of like a little kid on a basketball team, like the smallest kid on the court. And you can't, like, hide your weaknesses. And then when the whole team, like, rallies around them and they make that shot. And how, like, everyone knows why that matters. Mm-hmm. If he was alone and just, like, playing by himself, you don't get that same, like, hoorah, like, rallying around you. It feels like that, like, going before the Lord. Like, I am really small and I might not make it. Yeah. Then when you actually do and he helps you, yeah, you get to feel his, like, pride over you, too. Yep. And not embarrassed. Like, even if he missed it. That's a good point. Yeah, it is a good point. Another vision I had is like, not a vision, but kind of an example I think God put on my heart was, it's like when kids do something they're not supposed to, they're, they're very fidgety, they hide it, they, uh, 
we're very much like children in that sense. So yeah. coming to the throne uh, with everything loose. Yeah. I don't like that verbiage. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It, makes, it makes a world of difference. And doing that in my life specifically has um, grown my relationship with the Lord and made it a little bit more intense and more um, affectionate. He's been yeah. so much more affectionate. Um, so, any questions? Everyone good? No, I think that's good. Cool. Um, and um, so we're I'm, we're finally getting into five. So we're gonna have. Can someone read verse or chapter five, verse one through six? I can do it. Okay, and then someone do Genesis fourteen, seventeen through twenty. And someone do Hebrews 5, 7 through 10. Okay. Okay. Um, for every high priest taken from among for every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray since he himself is also subject to weakness. Because of this, he is required, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer sacrifices for sins. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become a high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And he also says in another place, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek, Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement, vehement, vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Wait, did I go too far? Sorry. Too far. It's okay. Yeah. It's, good. it's okay. It bleeds into, but I, I split it up this way because I wanted to talk about Melchizedek for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, and why that phrase and why that little phrase in there is um, important to me. I didn't really pay much attention to Melchizedek when I was reading through the Bible. I thought it was just like a little passing by story. Because mm-hmm. it is. <laughs> yeah, it's very little. There's not very much to play with or to understand uh, or to try and uh, make a four hour study on it. But people do anyway. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so on first glance, I just walked past it, but. Um, well, I'll, we'll just read it. Who had you had Genesis? I had Genesis. Genesis. Uh, what was the verse? Four, chapter fourteen, verse seven three, seventeen through twenty. So, something I didn't know was unusual, but it was unusual about Melchizedek, was that he was not only a priest, but he was also a king. Um, it's 
talking with Cameron. I don't want to get in too deep into it, but there's, and I've read a lot about it. People think that he's also a very close descendant of Noah, uh, which is really cool. They kind of like did the math and everything, but it was really, it's, he's a really interesting character. Um, uh, there's a couple of different things that it, I'm not going to go deep into it. I just wanted there to be a more of a, like a reference. So, uh, we knew who he was. I'm sure you guys knew, but, um, he's also, uh, it was interesting that nobody knows how really besides the understanding or the theory that he was a close descendant of Noah, but how that he worshiped the, the God of Abraham, mm-hmm. um, because he came out and, and blessed Abraham and brought out a, a it says bread and wine, but, um, he brought up bread and wine after a victory that uh, Abraham had just defeated a kingdom. Um, and Abraham, Abraham gave him a, t- a tithe, 10% of the plunder of the victory. Um, so it was super interesting. These two guys that had probably never met before, the priest and a king of, a, of, a, of Salem, um, which also is kind of cool that it's Salem, Jerusalem. Um, I thought that was a cool little connection too. Um, but he, that kind of like reflects back onto Jesus being a high priest and a king, yeah. um, which is really cool with no beginning and no end right. in the Bible. Um, so that was, that's pretty much all I have. I'm not going to go too deep into yeah, it. I need to actually find it, but somewhere in the Psalms, there's a reference to Jesus as being a member of the order of Melchizedek. The Psalm 110. Yep, I have. Five or seven verses, but verse four. The, the Lord has sworn and will not change. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Mm-hmm. That's what Hebrews song about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hebrews quotes it. Uh, and we'll probably talk more about Melchizedek too because he they oh, mentions him in six yeah. and seven. But like, like the biggest thing, like Angel said, is that he's both priest and king, mm-hmm. which in uh, in Jerusalem or in the with the Israelites. The priests were the Levites. Mm-hmm. They were not the line of kings. There was a separate line of kings. Which Cam, do you know who was the line of kings? No, I don't think it was a specific one. No. It, but the priests were priests and kings were separate. It wasn't initially important. So yeah, because there wasn't that wasn't a thing for a long time. Yeah, the, uh, the Israelites demanded a king, so they right. gave Saul and then took Saul away. <laughs> yeah. and gave David, and then it's just the line of David until it splits. Right, right. So. Yeah, but, and then the other thing to bring up now, just if I can add this in, is First Peter talks about us as Christians being a line of kings and priests, which is our identity, which is like, well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. So, it's just, it's a concept that we should all just be thinking on. Yeah. Like Angel said, you know, it, a lot of people have spent hours looking into this, and you can get lost in the sauce, but... Bro, I got lost in the sauce. Is, uh, <laughs> I didn't want to talk about it because I don't think I understand it yet. Yeah. Um, but I do want to understand I it. I still don't understand it. <laughs> so I think it's a fun, com- a good conversation to have because I think reading back on it, it does have a lot to do with our identity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely an un- important topic. Um, so the... F- He's somebody who has knowledge of God from some source other than the Bible. Yeah. I don't like that's why it's weird. That makes me uncomfy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. So the beginning, the beginning of that uh, chapter 5 kind of explained what, the, the, what it entailed to be a high priest. Mm-hmm. Um, 
7 through 10 kind of puts Jesus in that in that title or kind of gives him those attributes. So, 7 through 10. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayer and petition with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered and once was made, once made perfect. He became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So it, it it also kind of gave examples. Um, what do you guys think this specifically says about Jesus, or what are you understanding about Jesus's uh, character more? Even though that he's the Son of God, he's still humble and wants to. I don't know. He. His reverent submission mm-hmm. is very cool. Yeah, I think it just points to the fact that Jesus was 100% man. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Uh, while also being 100% God. Like, mm-hmm. it's the great mystery. How is he both? But he still had to learn. It says he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Mm-hmm. Which is like mm-hmm. wild. It's not he learned perfection through suffering. He already had perfection. Mm-hmm. It was he learned obedience, how to follow the Father's voice mm-hmm. through suffering. Mm-hmm. I think the thing I thought of when I just heard that is like, how do we expect to learn to obey if we don't suffer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and how many people in like Western Christianity have built a theology that uh, declares all sufferings as attaching the enemy and that, like, we shouldn't suffer because we're here to live a good life, like prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not trying to dump on them all the way, but, like, I grew up in that, and I remember everything that was bad was, like, from the devil, from the devil, from the devil. And it's it's an interestingly white perspective. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> I will also say that there's a lot of people in the prosperity uh, gospel movement that are African American. So it's not just even to true. Even to that saying, point. Even to that point, yeah. in the network of churches that I was involved in, yeah. uh, primarily Hispanic church and the church that I grew up with in my home country, believe the same thing. Yeah. You must have done something for this to happen to you. Right. The devil is sending this to happen to you. Right. So it's, it's, it's a lot more world, worldwide than I think people want to give it credit for. I think there is a lot of American, Western in general yeah. ideas, but that one specifically is something that I've grown up with and I've seen from people from... All, all across uh, the West. It's just dead theology. I almost yeah. point at whoever said that and be like, okay, when was the last time you wrote Job? Because you sound like his buddies. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, it's um, again, it's, I don't want to start bashing people, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not, uh, yeah, and it's not, a, and it's not in line with the word of God. And there's a, so there's a later chapter, I think it might be Hebrews 12, uh, where it talks about, um, we brought this up a couple weeks ago, that um, to those who are called sons of God, God disciplines. Mm-hmm. He disciplines those he loves. And those who do not receive the discipline of the Lord are illegitimate children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like, suffering is a 
part of being a, a believer. Mm-hmm. I've heard it said, like, if you're not experiencing suffering, you're not doing something right. Mm-hmm. You're doing something wrong. Like, because, like, I don't know. And so, I, but then we can flip. I know people who are, like, so much about suffering where they, like, uh, they idolize su- the suffering just for the sake of suffering. And then it becomes like masochistic in a way, mm-hmm. weird. And so there's a there's always a narrow road, mm-hmm. you know. And the narrow road is like just walking with the Lord. And when you encounter suffering, like Jesus suffered through the fast that he did after he got baptized, mm-hmm. forty days, forty nights, no food, no water, mm-hmm. no, nothing, just him in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. It's nuts. Yeah. That's nuts. It, uh, to your point about him being one hundred percent man. I always, I always think about the the night before he was, you know, uh, arrested. Um, he was he was in such distress that he was like bleeding or like sweating blood. I I can't imagine that level of anxiety. And if you were also if you were just a hundred percent God, no human, I don't think I'd be tripping like that. Like. All right, just get it over with. It probably feel like a band-aid rip or something. <laughs> yeah. Right. So that kind of fervent cry yeah. uh shows me man, he really was going through it that night. Yeah. Like yeah. I've had a couple panic attacks and I can't I've never sweated blood through my skin. Right. Um so that also kind of puts my heart at ease cuz I can I also see him in heaven like seeing me struggle or or I've had nights where I've cried or screamed and Whatever, on in the car by myself, just him looking down on me and being like, "Man, you got it, man. Just keep fighting." Being like a like a like a like a dad seeing his kid with a broken arm almost. Um, so it was also this was one of the examples I meant to say that was him being very um, more loving in in a, in a tender way. Uh, also, uh, something I picked up was that. I always grew with the idea I grew up with about Jesus was that um, he was born and he wasn't really he didn't struggle to to be obedient. He re- really didn't get tempted. He It was just like he was living. Mm-hmm. He was living and he knew what he was doing, but no temptation touched him. And he didn't struggle with with the idea of sin. But it said, it, yeah, it literally says that um, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Um and that made me think about literally what I, what's been going on for the past few months with me is like before the 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 whole anxiety thing I was just doing my own thing. And it's almost like like a loving father would he twisted my arm into obedience, not forced me, but guided me into obedience. And I think through this has been probably the toughest year I've ever had as far as all that stuff goes. But I've never felt more loved and um, I think this is that with what I suffered, there couldn't be a, a bigger act of um, love from him. Um, so, yeah. obedience through it makes you want to obey. suffer. Yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, that was his greatest act of mercy, I think, in my life so far. Yeah. Wow. So, any, anybody... Got anything else about Jesus? Were you going to read verse 11? 
Yes, not right now. This is so funny. <laughs> yeah, I I like uh, to. Yeah, he switched oh, the he switched the gears up, bro. Uh, yeah. I was reading this. I was like, hold up, yeah. <laughs> wait a minute. Yeah. I like the part in verse nine. He became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. Mm-hmm. And so, like, thinking back to the first four chapters of Hebrews. So much of it was talking about have believers having like believing loyalty yeah. and like confessing that they believe in the Lord Jesus, that like you can't lose your salvation when you believe in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, the only way you can is when you walk away from it. Mm-hmm. But this verse also ties like obedience in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, does that say anything different in y'all's translations or does it also say obey? Yeah, verse 9. Yeah. It says obey. Mm-hmm. Cool. I just wanted to make sure. This is a, I got a new Bible, new translation, so I'm enjoying it. But, uh, yeah, so I like the idea. It makes so much sense to me that your belief and your obedience would be tied together. Mm-hmm. Um, that if you really believe in him. How like, could you not? <laughs> if I really believe that Mo, like, is hungry, then I'm going to obey her demands of <laughs> hunger, and I'm going to go get her food. But mm-hmm. if I don't believe she's hungry, I'm not going to get her food. Yeah, Paul. So it, it, it like influences your action. Belief and obedience are tied yeah. together. Paul Paul had a really good uh, line. It was kind of a zinger. Uh, I don't know that I'll do it justice, but it was something along the lines of, "You tell me that you believe that Jesus is Savior, mm-hmm. but you go and do what you want to do anyway. Good for you. Even the demons know that Jesus is King." <laughs> yeah. And I was like, Boom. "Dang, bro! Oh Whoa, dude!" Um, so yeah, that kind of, that verse, dude, engraved in my heart, but it basically is that belief isn't just saying, okay, I believe it's the actions that follow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He's not just looking Mm. for your words of belief, Mm -hmm. what you say comes out of your mouth, but then your whole life reflects it. Mm -hmm. You know, he wants all of you. He doesn't want just part of you. Mm -hmm. It's like the difference between knowledge and belief. Yeah. Like I can know that there's a God, and I can know that he has a son named Jesus, but what do I do with that? Yeah. yeah. If I believe it, that means I obey it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's what I have there. Um, that just boiled down to me for his empathy and sympathy was something that I remember learning as a kid. And, yeah. Um, I think it's probably one of the... I'm glad I was picked for this particular one because... I think his sympathy and empathy was um, something that I didn't... I was angry at God for a little bit of the part that I was... A little of the issues I was going with. Um, but knowing that he had sympathy and with that, uh, dare I say, anxiety he had the night before he was crucified or arrested. Um, I'm sure that was some sort of anxiety. And yeah, there's, there's like physicians that have looked at it and been like, yeah, this is textbook. This thing. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, knowing that Jesus can empathize with me and, and know what it feels like and know how I feel. Um, because all other de- deities that I've learned about in school or whatever, they don't, they don't know what it's like to suffer like us or they don't care about us. But, right. but God being our Father and, and loving us genuinely, he, he chose to send his Son to come feel what we feel. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what makes him the, the ultimate high priest. Um, the, uh, the thing that always got me was when I realized that Jesus had probably skinned his knees at some point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very, yeah. 
as a kid, yeah. Br- yeah, how did... Oh, yeah. There was no septic system either, too, so it was like... That city probably stinks, stinks. Don't, huh? Oh, yeah, my bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, Our Western on brand. Yeah. Um, so this is where it kind of changes up. So I'll just leave with a little bit of a transition slash beginning understanding of what's to come in the next chapter. So can someone read Hebrews 5 verse 11 through 14? I'll I'll be honest. I thought I was going to be like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and I just looked over at like 32 minutes. <laughs> Good oh, Lord. Yeah. You're doing great, man. I'll, I'll read it. Okay. Um, so, concerning this, we have much to say that is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by now you should be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and have come to need milk rather than solid food. Everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. But solid food belongs to those who are mature, for those who through practice have powers of discernment that are trained to distinguish good from evil. Loaded. Tell us how you really feel. Mm. Um, <laughs> I, that's pretty much straightforward, but what, what are you guys getting, what are you guys learning more about people, us? Uh, not as opposed to what you learn about. It's not. It's just about us. I think in that one, big hit. It just reminds me of the continual cycle of the Jewish people. You know, knowing that this is like written to Jewish Christians. Mm-hmm. And it's not just Jewish people. Like anytime we read about Jewish people in the Bible, it's a mirror. Mm-hmm. Like, we're weird, just like them. Yeah. But. He's saying, we have much to say that's hard to explain, but it's only hard to explain because you're dull of hearing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is like, yeah. it's a lot easier when you actually have your ears open. There's yeah. so many things in the Bible that talk about like having ears to hear, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and how so many people have ears, but they do not hear. Mm-hmm. And so, that was Dr. Susie. Yeah, that's Revelation. <laughs> yeah. You're on there, man. Yeah, Can I'm on chapter this? 10, bro. I'm on chapter 10. Um, something that I didn't pick up at first that I'm, I'm just kind of understanding is there's, that's kind of the reason why when we talk to someone that maybe isn't a believer is we pray for them to have a soft heart and open their ears. Yeah. Because it's so easy to get frustrated when you're talking to someone that's a non-believer and they just like argue back, argue back, argue back. And it's, yeah. you're getting frustrated because maybe you're, you're talking at like a fifth, a fifth grade Christian level. Mm-hmm. When you got to bring it down just a bit and just have a conversation. Yeah. Um, that's not something I picked up the first time. Yeah, um, yeah it's interesting that the, the message of the gospel is in ways here. Mm-hmm. You know, that there is deeper knowledge, but you can't get there before you reach the beginning you know, stages. Mm-hmm. But that's also not to say that there's some hidden knowledge that we can find you know, if we get closer. Don't take it too far, though. There's also a degree of accusation here where he's like, yo, this is basic stuff. Yeah. You shouldn't be on basic stuff. Right. 
We've been over the basics. Right. Mm -hmm. right. What are you doing? Right. <laughs> Which probably gives context to, like, why he spent the first four chapters talking about, like, he's greater than Moses, he's greater yeah, the than the stuff. angels, mm -hmm. he's, you know, your high priest, there's the promise of him. Kind of, like, setting the stage of, like, okay, now we've gone over this stuff, Right. let's move on. It's really yeah. easy to get all the Jewish stuff confused, because it's built on the Jewish stuff, but we're not talking about the Jewish stuff anymore, guys. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And to use, and uh, in, in, in my heart, and I, this is just the way I interpret it too, is kind of like, as a way to applicate it to us right now, is like, a lot of people maybe targeted more towards uh, Christians that are just, maybe been Christians for a while, but are just now getting serious about uh, learning more about the Lord and reading the Word, is they'll, they'll want to go for big topics heavy topics stuff that takes um a little bit more of basic understanding yeah. and what ends up happening is you blind yourself and you don't pay enough attention and you start trying to chew with gums yeah. instead of teeth yeah, um which is in my experience what i was doing with yeah. salvation i was targeting all these big things and like reading through the entire bible i was like okay i didn't know that i didn't know that and it was just the simplest the most like, people would make jokes about things, and I'd be like, ha, ha I don't understand the reference. And it's because I never paid attention to, <laughs> yeah. like, certain verses that are used in, like, people people just use certain verses as little conversation pieces or, like, mm -hmm. simile, Five metaphors, kids. whatever. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, huh, what? I don't get that. Yeah. Um, so, just being able to, even if you've been in the church for 10 years, I've realized that just going back and reading the, the story of Jonah... Uh, reading over Exodus mm -hmm. can and can shift our thoughts and sharpen us so much more than I think people think. And um, also with the the Bible, with the Word being living, yeah. Yeah. constantly speaking to us, <clears throat> feeling like you've read a story, maybe something as simple as Malachi. Malachi is like two little pieces of sheets on the in the Bible for me. It's not very big, but something as simple as going back there, you could learn tons of new things. Yeah. Um, so that's the other thing is don't ever think you know all of something. It's always important to go back um, and strengthen your foundation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think something just to tag on to what I feel like a lot of people have said already, but the... Uh, Putting this all into context, knowing that the writer is writing to a church or a group of people who are Jewish, Messianic Jewish people, believers in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. But now they're starting to experience some persecution from the state, mm -hmm. and they're starting to fall away, and that's why the writer's writing this. Yeah. He's like basically calling them back to uh, repentance. I think of the Mike Tyson quote, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Out. You know, and it's like, everything was good. Now we're experiencing persecution. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, because the persecution's so big, it's like they've forgotten the, the elementary facts of the, the gospel that yeah. Jesus was real. Mm -hmm. All this stuff was real. We were there. We saw it, guys. Like, mm -hmm. you know, and so it just puts it into more perspective. Like, you should be farther along, but you're mm -hmm. going backwards. And don't go back. Yeah. Another little thing that I kind of, uh, thought about or kind of reference to is uh, 
the parable of the sower uh, yeah. in Matthew. Yes. Um, specifically where the sower threw the seed onto rocky soil. Right. Um, the, the, the plant couldn't root. Right. There was no root that the plant yeah. could hold on to, so it didn't withered out. And I think that's what the fundamentals do. Or those are our roots. So I think he put extra importance onto the, the roots of their belief because with everything going on with persecution and everything, if you're not rooted in the, in the solid ground, mm-hmm. you're just going to fall away. Yeah. Um, so that's another important part of knowing your basic fundamentals. Yeah. Um, so. Right. Bye. Thank you. Yeah. Pretty much fun. Mm-hmm. Bye. I was going to say to you, I like the um, verse uh, 14. The solitude belongs to those who are mature, for those who through practice have powers of discernment that are trained to distinguish good from evil. Mm-hmm. So he makes a direct tie between solid food for the mature and how you become mature it's those who have practiced discernment and they're trained to distinguish good from evil mm-hmm. and that that's that's like what he's talking about is the bad thing and i think it's it's basically like distinguishing false gospel from what the true gospel is mm-hmm. uh, truth from lies uh, i mean all their early church writers wrote about you know Behold, there's going to be like wolves that try to sneak in mm-hmm. and um, false prophets, false teachers. Mm-hmm. They're going to teach in and bring another gospel. But we're supposed to, we're called to remain faithful to the truth of the gospel and the word. Yeah. And that's where our maturity comes from. Mm-hmm. I think about Paul too, and I think it's First Corinthians chapter 1. He's like, all we, all we're preaching is Christ crucified. Mm-hmm. That's every, that's all that right there, Christ crucified, and you know, without Christ being crucified and raising from the dead, none of this matters. Nope. You can count it. He calls it bunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> it's, but yeah, David Pawson says the better translation for that is a word I won't say. Because the S word. Mm-hmm. Poop. You hear a you bunch of like, you hear a bunch I of just did. hands <laughs> clicking. Got your attention. Um, yeah. So um, another th- way I I saw it is uh, when when you're a kid, you lose your teeth. You you grow your teeth. You can eat solid food, but you also lose your teeth. Mm-hmm. Your teeth fall out. You have to. If all your teeth fell out, you have to eat soft food, and you get older. When you get older, you start to lose your teeth. You got to go back to soft food. So throughout your life, you constantly have to go back and forth sometimes. So it's also important to shift back and forth. And I'm not saying don't go for the big issues because Lord knows I love me some big issues. Yeah. <laughs> but also it has been so rewarding to just go back and ask myself, who is Jesus? What did he preach? Um, so 
yeah, that's that's pretty much pretty much it. Um, just to kind of con- conclude, the things I kind of got was the, one of my favorite attributes of Jesus is his empathy and sympathy, um, and how lucky we are to have empathy and sympathy from someone that's sitting at the right hand of God, literally can just say, "Hey, like I know what that feels like." Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and that he he wasn't he was chosen for priest to be a priest and a king, yeah. um, and he understands and empathizes with our battles with temptation, but doesn't mean that he allows it. A lot of people now are like, oh, the temptation's super heavy. That sin is just intrinsic, and we should be more understanding and just let it slide. I've heard that on maybe social social things. But that's not that's not the will of God. He understands it, but not permits it. Yes. There's a very big difference. Right. Um, it's one thing to be tempted, and one thing to give, give in. in. Mm-hmm. It's like that really, the really common idea for a long time was God meets you where you are, and the unspoken second half that just needed to be included was, but He doesn't want you to stay there. Yep. Because He gives you a way out of every temptation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. <clears throat> I think this should encourage us to fight harder um, through temptation. Realize that we are given a, a way out of sin and, and we don't have to succumb to it. Um, and that when we do, that we should enter the kingdom of God the, to his throne with confidence. Meaning openness and um, trustful. Yeah. Trust, trusting? Trusting. Uh, so... That's how we receive grace and mercy. Nice. And that's all I have. But that was just a theory. Yeah. A game theory. <laughs> no, that was so good. Thank you guys so much. Absolutely. You want to pray us out? Sure. Um, dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for uh, um, using me today to just speak about your word and, and um, filling me with your presence and just... Um, doing what you wanted me to do. Uh, Lord, I ask that this word resonates with, with these folks and um, that in one way or another, it, it just kind of um, strengthens the, their uh, vision of you and uh, sparks up thankfulness um, in their hearts and that we can all use this to um, better ourselves and, and to move a little bit better through this world. Uh, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Sick man. Thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you've been blessed by today's teaching, and as always, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. You have my heart open.